all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning from MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And August is Breastfeeding Awareness Month, so that's what this next hour is going to be dedicated to, information and questions about breastfeeding. We've got lactation consultant Jamie Ely in the studio with us today. If you have questions or comments about breastfeeding, we'd love to hear those. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. As always, you can send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. We'll be back after the news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Joining me in studio today is Jamie Ely. She's a registered nurse and a lactation consultant. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is breastfeeding. August is National Breastfeeding Awareness Month. And so I felt like this was a great time to have someone on to help answer questions about breastfeeding. So if you guys have questions or you know someone who's breastfeeding and you're looking for ways to support them, now's the hour to give us a call because she is the expert. Our number is one 672-7464. And my email is fit at mpbonline.org. We're happy to take questions either way. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning. I'm so glad that you're here. And we've known each other for a very long time. A and long time. A long time. We will not we will not date ourselves and say how long, but we, we have been nurses together for a very, very long time, starting out in the children's hospital. And and then uh, kind of grew apart a little bit. We went some different professional ways, but I don't know why I haven't thought to have you on the show before now. So I'm glad that you're here um, to talk about breastfeeding. Uh, you know, my my breastfeeding days are over. Um, my my oldest is 11. My youngest is eight. And but I did breastfeed both of of them. Um, but the re- one of the real reasons I wanted to to cover this topic is. I think that breastfeeding, the way it's portrayed a lot of times, especially in movies and, you know, in TV, it's like this magical thing that just happens. It's super easy. Like babies just come out and they're like, I'm hungry. Let me let me nurse. And that's not it may be the reality for some people, but for a lot of women, it's not that easy. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it. it you know, and so I know when I was was breastfeeding, my children had a lot of issues and it would have been. Um, completely appropriate for me to kind of say, I'm, I'm done. Like I'm, you know, I can't do this. And I felt very almost alone. Like, why can I not feed this baby? What is, what's wrong with me? You know? And 
luckily I got in contact with some lactation consultants who were able to coach me through different things and help me with some of that and wound up breastfeeding them each for 13 months, you know, so we had a very, um, a good breastfeeding relationship after after about the six month mark. You know, it was like he knew what he was doing, I knew what I was doing, we were good to go. But let's start with what what is a lactation consultant? Who are these magical women who who help us? <laughs> well, to start with, lactation consultants are people that um, specialize in breastfeeding, and we have to do lots of education. It's not just people that have said, okay, I've breastfed my baby. I'm going to help you. Right. Now that's great to have in the community. It's great to have that support, but lactation consultants are people who, and they're men and women um, who have done extensive education and clinical hours or time spent with breastfeeding couplets, moms and babies um, to gain the knowledge that they need to deal with lots of situations, not just how to increase your milk, not just how to let your baby on, but um, we can help you with lots and lots of breastfeeding issues. Yeah. And so why do we need a breastfeeding awareness month? Like, why isn't it just like a day? Why do we need a whole month? Because there is so much about breastfeeding that people don't know. And, you know, even when moms come in the hospital or when I see them, they say, well, I didn't know that about breastfeeding. I really want to breastfeed, but I didn't know this information. And um, it's also to empower women to be able to stand up for their right to breastfeed Mm -hmm. and for them to say, yes, I'm going to breastfeed my baby and I'm going to take my breaks at work that are allotted to me and I'm going to do what I need to do to give my baby the optimal nutrition. Yeah. And that's so important, you know, having someone not in your family that is an expert in breastfeeding who can walk you through these kinds of things, but then also tell you about those things like you just mentioned, like how you make breastfeeding fit into your work schedule after you go back to work, because it can be be challenging, you know, no matter what your job is, finding the time to do it and then finding the space to do it and then finding somewhere to store your milk once you're done with it. All of those are things that we've got to have a really good plan in place to make workable and doable. So I'm sure, how long have you been a lactation consultant? I've been a lactation consultant for um, about eight years. Wow. I've been certified for the past five years. So I know that you've worked with hundreds mm-hmm. of, of breastfeeding moms and babies. What is a common question that you get? One of the most common questions I get is, is my baby getting enough? Yeah. Um, it's hard to see breast milk, especially in those first few days. Um, moms don't feel different. They don't feel their breasts aren't filled with milk yet um, where they can feel it and they don't see a lot of the milk coming out and they're, they're just getting used to their babies too. And so they don't know to read all the signs in the babies that the babies are telling them I'm full. Mm -hmm. I've got what I need. And so it can be very um, frustrating for moms to think that they have no milk and that they're not feeding their baby anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how do we know if babies are getting enough to eat? So there's a couple of ways to know if babies are getting enough to eat. Um, We definitely can't measure what's going in, but we can measure what's coming out. And so uh, we want babies to have at least one diaper per 24 hours old. And that seems like not a whole lot because most moms and dads feel like babies should have 10 diapers a day. Right. And in the first few days, that's just not the case. They'll get there. So they will definitely <laughs> see, get there. See, they will get there. And yeah. then some. I always tell them, take your time. Take your time. We'll just enjoy this light stage while you're at it. Right. Um, but another thing that we look at is how is the baby acting? Are they content between feeds? Um, are they sleepy? 
Um, if they're fussy all the time, they're probably hungry. Right. If they're content all the time, then they're getting what they need. That's one thing about babies is they are really good about telling their moms and dads what they need by the way they act. Mm -hmm. And so if moms and dads can get used to watching their babies and picking up on those cues, it will be so much easier to know when they're full, when they're hungry, when they want whatever it is they want. And there really is a different cry sound. I mean, people tell me that that the all babies cry sounds the same way. At least for me, I could tell the difference in a like I'm just mad Mm kind of cry and a I'm I'm hungry, lady. Like, feed me, you yeah. know. Um, and I think that probably just you pick up on those cues with your individual child, you know. And then as a pediatric nurse, you know, we got very comfortable ner- learning between different cries of, of different babies as well. There's definitely a difference between a I'm hurting cry mm-hmm. and a I'm hungry cry there. Um, so you mentioned kind of what's coming out. So that's oftentimes... Um, especially in the hospital, if you're really concerned, you can get the nurses to weigh the diapers, Mm -hmm. you know, to make sure that there's actually some urine Mm -hmm. in there because what goes in should come out. And so if breast milk goes in, then pee should, should come out. That's right. But I think it's important to kind of reinforce what you said is it's not a, a lot, right? You know, like a newborn baby's tummy is not very big, you know, so you're not filling it up with a full big bottle of milk Mm -hmm. like we think about. It's just a little tiny bit. And so just a little tiny bit of pee is going to come out from that. And that's okay. Right. A baby's tummy is about the size of a marble when they're born. That's very small. Um, It can hold about a teaspoon. And so when you see um, babies that are taken, whatever it is in a bottle, whether it's express breast milk or formula in a bottle at that stage, Um, They're going to have to take a little bit more, especially formula, because the calories in formula versus the calories in breast milk, you need more volume of formula. Mm -hmm. And so that starts to stretch the baby's tummy out. So that's where we get into, um, you know, how breastfeeding helps reduce the rate of obesity in children Mm -hmm. because they're satisfied faster and their tummies stay a little bit smaller with breast milk. Um, But babies don't need a ton of milk right in the beginning. The other reason is, especially the first three days, four days after delivery, their stomachs are still full of amniotic fluid. So exactly what they've been getting nutrition from while they were inside mom's tummy, they're still getting nutrition from. Oh, I did not know so, that. Yeah, yeah. That's my learn mm-hmm. for the day. I always I always learn something when I have a guest on, especially when it's something that I don't do every day. I learn that that's very cool. Um, but going back to what you said, I mean, a size of a marble, I mean, that is teeny, teeny, tiny. And then you think about you also mentioned that mom's breasts are not full of milk um, right away and I'm I'm guessing that's for that very reason right there's no need for mom to have a ton of milk right then if baby's tummy won't hold all of that milk there now I know um, kind of that that first feed what what is the name of that milk that comes out that very colostrum, colostrum. Yes. yes golden golden honey Li- yeah. liquid gold liquid gold mm-hmm. tell me what colostrum is Colostrum is like, well, it's gold. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) don't spill it. (laughs) No, don't spill it for sure. I mean, sometimes it is actually a golden color. Mm -hmm. I've seen it all different colors, but sometimes it is that golden color. And your body actually starts making that milk around the middle of your pregnancy. And so a lot of moms will come in and say, I don't have any milk yet. And I'm like, yes, you do. Your body has been making it. Those hormones that grew your baby and sustained you through pregnancy were also making this milk for your baby right away. So, yes, you do have milk in there. Um, but it is full of antibodies. It's full of just the right protein for your baby. It's full of just the right amount of carbohydrates for your baby so that um, your baby doesn't drop their blood sugar, which is something that can be pretty common with mm-hmm. newborns as they learn to um, manage their own blood sugar on their own. 
And so it's got every single thing that your baby needs in it. And everybody's colostrum is going to be made up of different things um, because it's so individualized to your baby. Um, There are so many things in breast milk that we don't even know what it all is yet. Mm -hmm. But one thing that's in breast milk and, and in that colostrum is stem cells. And so we know for sure that there are stem cells in breast milk. Um, so that just starts baby off on a healthy journey right there. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to go ahead and take our first break of the hour. Now's a great time to give us a call if you have questions about breastfeeding in general or maybe a specific question that you may be struggling with. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 And my email is fit at mpbonline.org. We'll be back in just a few. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. We are celebrating National Breastfeeding Awareness Month today. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, and joining me in the studio is Jamie Ely. She is a registered nurse and lactation consultant. And if you guys have a question or a comment about breastfeeding, we'd love to hear from you. We've got open lines, so now's a great time to call. That number is one eight seven seven mpb ring um, now, before the break, we were kind of talking about that f- the first milk that is is produced with mom um, being called colostrum, and it you know it's as you mentioned liquid gold. It's very very good for baby. It's got lots of different things in it. It's very very small volume, so it's not you know a, a gallon of milk that we're we're putting out there. Um, but you know, one thing that I asked you over the break actually is if the baby maybe comes too soon. You know, like, so my oldest son was born at 34 weeks, so he was a a premature baby. Um, Was the composition of my colostrum different than, you know, a full-term baby's mom? Yes, absolutely. It's um, specialized to the baby, individualized to the baby. And so babies that are born earlier have different nutritional needs. And so the colostrum that mom makes is different than if the baby was born at 39 or 40 weeks. Yeah, so it's it's specially made for that little critter there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, even if you're not able to breastfeed right away, so I wasn't, because um, he, was, he was born early and had some breathing difficulties. I'm sure the people that were in the delivery room with me thought I was nuts because, you know, pediatric nurse, they hand him to me, and he's, like, flaring his little nostrils a little bit and kind of grunting, which are signs of respiratory distress in babies. I mean, he was he was fine, but, you know, he was working a little harder to breathe, and I just looked at him, and I was like, this baby's in respiratory distress. Somebody take him to the NICU. And everybody looked at me like, okay, all right, you know. Um, 
And so they took him on uh, to the NICU, and he spent a couple days there. Obviously, he's doing fine now. He's almost as tall as I am, and I am not a short lady. Um, But they promptly wheeled in a breast pump about an hour after delivery. And I was like, what? I'm, I'm, I'm tired. Why, why leave me alone? You know, <laughs> but they brought it in and it's important to get that situation going. Even if he was not going to be able to take in, um, the breast milk that I was, was pumping right then, it was important to start that process, right? Why is it so important to start? Yes, we want moms to start pumping within four to six hours after delivery if they're separated from their infant. Uh, your body needs that stimulation to start making milk. I mean, there's lots of hormone changes going on in your body that tells your body to make milk. But if we just have that extra little um, stimulation from the pump, mm-hmm. then it tells your body, yes, let's bring this in. Now, one thing is when you first start pumping, you're not just going to get, you know, three gallons of milk right. that first pump. Right. You may not get an ounce of milk. You may not get a tablespoon of milk. Um, One reason is because colostrum is so thick. Colostrum is like the consistency of a milkshake. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's hard to get that out um, with a pump. The babies have no problem with it. But I always tell moms it's more about stimulation than collection at that time. Um, Usually babies that go straight to the NICU, they will be on IV fluids, which help keep them hydrated. And um, within the next few days, mom will be able to produce some amount of milk to give to the babies. And we have other options, if not, such as donor milk or something like that. Um, but it's it's not something to get discouraged at right away if you're not seeing just gobs and gobs of milk mm-hmm. come out. Um, just, just keep plugging away um, eight to 12 times a day pumping and you will get milk. The more faithful you are to pump, yeah. the more milk you're going to get. Yeah. And just like I was telling you over the break, I mean, that first pump that I had Literally all that I had was like condensation in the in the little flange mm-hmm. on the breast pump. And I was like, what the heck, you know? And of course, you mentioned hormones are all over the place. So then I'm crying, thinking I'm not going to be able to make milk for the baby and all those kinds of things. But luckily, I had a lactation consultant come in and she was like, it is fine. You are doing exactly what your body is meant to do. We just going to set you a schedule. And she wrote me a schedule. This is your pumping schedule. And, you know. If you need to, like you take that pump in the NICU and you sit there and you look at him while you while you pump, you mm-hmm. know. And so it was very, very supportive relationship there. All right. We're going to go on and get to a couple of callers. First, we'll talk with Brent this morning. Hello, Brent. Brent. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. What more should American business be doing for um professional women to allow for uh to support them as they try to breastfeed and maintain a full-time job uh, i'll now turn the my i'll now just turn down the radio and wait for your answer thank you thank you all right go ahead jamie what what can business owners do to help support breastfeeding moms definitely providing a place for moms to pump and the time to pump at work yeah. Um, it is it is hard as a mother going back to work and trying to balance all that. But research shows that mothers who breastfeed their babies, they're out of work less. Um, they don't have to call in. They're not sick, home with sick babies. And, and the women are healthier mm-hmm. also. Um, there are definitely benefits to the mother for breastfeeding. And so it cuts costs of the business down for having to, if you're paying, you know, part of your employee's insurance, mm-hmm. they're not going to be using their insurance or not uh, as much or for um, their infants either. But this, that's two of the things they need is a place to pump and a time to pump. Yeah. And I can't echo that place to pump that is private mm-hmm. and clean. Yes. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, I've seen places where it's, well, just go pump in the bathroom. 
like so (laughs) i'm i'm a little bit of a germaphobe just Mm -hmm. being a nurse and you know this is the milk that i'm saving for my baby to take this to this little tiny human i don't want to be processing that in in the bathroom you know that's that's not a not a super clean place, you know. Yeah. And there's actually a law in Mississippi that says that business owners, um, if you meet certain criteria, such as the number of employees you have, um, if a if you have a breastfeeding mother, you have to provide her with a place to pump, and you have to allow her time to do it, mm-hmm. or a place to pump that's not a bathroom. Right, that's not a bathroom. <laughs> yes, and it specifically says that. And then time to do it. Now you you she may have to clock out to do mm-hmm. that. Um, but most moms, if they're committed to breastfeeding, they don't mind doing yeah, that. Yeah. They just want to have the time to be able to breastfeed. Yeah. And, that, you know, that's a secure place to do that, that they feel relaxed. You know, the best place that I ever had pumped like, was a comfortable chair. Mm-hmm. You know, so it wasn't just this room and you just sat in this hardback chair. It was an actual nice relaxing chair um even had like music that you could what could play in there that you could do and and utilize your thing and then again somewhere to to store that milking a lot of moms will bring a a cooler um with them uh again you gotta have a place to put your cooler that you feel is is safe right um or you know a small fridge that you can then store those things in so that the moms feel feel safe storing their milk Mm -hmm. there Another thing you would need in a pumping room would be an electrical outlet yeah. to plug the pump in. Some pumps now, fancier ones, will go off a battery, but it's just a, a nice little perk to have mm-hmm. an, an outlet there, maybe a sink. Oh, that was going to be the other one. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I always like to wash my hands before. Mm-hmm. I actually liked to kind of wash off my chest before, mm-hmm. you know, before I pumped as well, especially, you know, being a nurse, it was usually, you know, hot, sweaty, moving people around, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I feel like I need to just freshen up before I pump this milk. Yeah. But that's a great question. And, you know, thanks for asking the question, because that's the only way that 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 we're going to be able to make more friendly areas for ladies to Mm -hmm. express their breast milk is by having folks who ask the questions and are are committed to doing that. So thank you for that question there. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. Going on to um, Bill in Florida. Good morning, Bill. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. We are great. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to confirm that the colostrum is reproduced again at six months, sort of like a booster shot, and then again at two years, because that's what I've been told. Hmm. You know, the composition of milk is always changing. Um, And to say that it's reproduced at six months and two years, I wouldn't necessarily say it's colostrum, but I would say that it is exactly what the baby needs Mm -hmm. then. And and at those time frames, especially at, at the six month mark, that's when babies are starting to eat food. And so they're decreasing the amount of breast milk that they're taking and so the concentration of it will change and so it, i guess you could say that's kind of like colostrum um and then at two years again when babies are really starting to eat normal table foods and really you know taking a lot of babies aren't still drinking breast milk at two then again that kind of boost in the um content of the milk could be Kind considered of like, like a colostrum not necessarily sure. the consistency of colostrum but the, the kind of the ingredients the, right the ingredients mm-hmm. that are made up there yeah, yeah. but breast milk cool. changes daily and it changes at the time of day um to exactly meet what the baby needs every single time they go to the breast yeah so that's an excellent question there bill thank you so much for giving us a call this morning thank you right. bye um and what about if a baby is sick 
does the breast milk change to absolutely yeah that's the coolest thing yes your body or mom's body starts making antibodies to things that they're exposed to that go into the milk after about 30 minutes of being exposed to something. So if your baby's starting to come down with a cold, then you've probably been exposed to it too. And so within 30 minutes, your body is already starting to make um, the medicine, basically, Mm -hmm. to get rid of that cold or that stomach virus. And I actually have a kind of a cool story with my youngest. Um, She went, she was in two-year-old preschool, I think, and went a couple of days a week. There were six kids in her room, and one... um, Day near Christmas time, she was the only one there. There were three kids with, out with the flu. There was um, one with a stomach virus and one with pneumonia. Mm, and my gosh. She, my little breastfed baby was the <laughs> only one there. So, so she she was the super the super she, kid. She was, yeah. <laughs> and you know, and that's kind of the norm. Um, don't feel moms if you're listening like don't feel even if your kid gets sick that there's something wrong with your breast milk right so my youngest actually had an immune deficiency and so he was just sick forever but I continued to breastfeed him because he still was getting beneficial things from that even though he had a medical condition that was making him more prone to illnesses I just think about how much sicker he might have been if I wasn't giving him, you know, breast milk that was full of antibodies that I was making. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, babies are going to get sick. They're not going to be healthy Mm -hmm. every single day of their life, Um, you know. And so continuing to breastfeed through illnesses, also continuing to breastfeed through mom's illnesses. That was going to be my next question. So what if mom gets the flu? Yeah, breastfeed. Yeah. Breastfeed your baby. Um, There are very few things that moms can be sick with that we say not to breastfeed. Mm Um, but most things, if mom has been exposed to it or mom is showing symptoms of it, we say, yes, continue to breastfeed your baby. Now, would that be something that we would want to pump and have somebody else feed that baby? Or does mom just need to like wear a mask or something like that and not hack in baby's face? Just feed your baby. Just feed your baby. Just, just don't stress out about it. That's right. <laughs> I was, I was a stressed mom. Uh-huh. I, um, I actually got a, um, a fever blister like two days after my youngest baby was born. And so I, I wore a mask for two weeks solid because I was afraid mm-hmm. I was going to pass, you know, something yeah. to him. So all the pictures of him, like as a as a newborn, you either not, don't have my head in it or I have a mask on. So I'm pretty sure he thought his mom was a duck for like <laughs> <laughs> for like the first couple of weeks because I just had this yellow mask on there because you know whatever whatever you have to do to right. make it make yourself feel comfortable enough to breastfeed. Um, that's important. All right, let's go ahead and take our second break of the hour. When we come back, we'll continue talking uh, more about breastfeeding. And I want you to answer the question for me, what is the optimal length or duration of breastfeeding? If you guys have a question or a comment, now's a great time to give us a call. That number is 1-877-MPB-RING, 1-877-672-7464. We'll be back after the break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome 
Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC. Joining me in the studio today is Jamie Ely. She's a registered nurse and lactation consultant. And we are talking about breastfeeding today because it is National Breastfeeding Awareness Month. We've had some great callers already, and both of them were men, which was the best part. It's great to see that, you know, it's not just a women's issue. It is an issue in society, how we support each other in providing great nutrition for our babies. So if you have a question or a comment, uh, we've got open lines. Now's a great time to call. That number is one eight seven seven mpb ring And my email is fit at mpbonline.org. All right. So we've been talking a lot about different compositions of bre- breast milk and different things like that. And we alluded to this before the break. But, you know, what? how long should someone breastfeed? Like, is there a set time to say, all right, this is enough of this, right? There, there are recommendations in place, and um, the World Health Organization has set one, and kind of the American Academy of Pediatrics and several other organizations have supported that. And the recommendation is six months exclusive. That means no other food or drink. That means no rice cereal. That means no gripe water. Um, none of those other things that we like to um, give as an addition right. to feeding <clears throat> our baby um, for six months. And then at the six month mark, start adding pureed foods, complementary foods, baby foods, things like that, along with breast milk um, up to one to two years or as long as mother and baby mutually agree upon it. Yeah. So um, there's lots of different combinations you can do with that. Some moms choose to pump mostly after the six month mark. Um, feed at nighttime, breastfeed at nighttime. Um, and then some just are still on demand all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's really individualized, however it fits into your lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so that's essentially what I did. I breastfed exclusively until six months. So they didn't get any rice cereal or oatmeal or anything mm-hmm. like that. They just had breast milk. Um, and you do wind up feeding a little bit more frequently when that is the case. Um, lucky, Luckily for me, I had a very robust um, production of milk. So after that first, you know, nervous breakdown I had in the hospital and I thought I wasn't going to make any, um, my body kicked into to overdrive and I really started to, to produce plenty of milk um, there. So it wasn't a, a, really a problem of having enough for that during the day. And then, like you mentioned, as soon as I came home from work, of course, I grabbed a shower because I work in healthcare, mm-hmm. and, you know, and then, you know, breastfed on demand, you know, for the from the evening and then throughout the night as well there. Um, and then you mentioned kind of um, one to two years, um, you know, and I think it's important to remind folks that babies earlier than a year don't need any other kind of milk. Um, if it's not going to be breast milk, then it needs to be a formula that mm-hmm. is um, made for infants. We don't want to go to a cow's milk or anything like that too too soon. Right. right? Or, or water. Or water or is water. another um, yes. issue. I get asked a lot, well, how much water does the baby need? Breast milk is about 70% water. So it um, is able to satisfy the baby's thirst, and it's also able to satisfy the baby's hunger. So yeah. they don't need extra water. Yeah. And it can actually mess up... Um, electrolytes for Mm -hmm. the baby and those kinds of things if you're doing a lot of water there i know i I used to get that question a lot from moms but it's so hot like i Mm -hmm. feel like they're thirsty you know they are breast milk or formula you Mm -hmm. know is where they need to to go there on that but the moms need to remember to stay hydrated as well if you're hydrating someone then you've got to be hydrated on top of that um and really more than you think 
that you need. Um, that's one of the first things that I would always tell moms um, if they felt like their supply was going down, like make sure you're you're drinking enough water mm-hmm. because your body's going to take what it needs to make the breast milk and you're going to get dehydrated from yes. from there. You know, so yeah. I kind of always had a big cup of water next to me and I was just sipping on it all the time there. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, kind of two years is that's the World Health Organization mm-hmm. rec, right? Two mm-hmm. years. But if people decide to breastfeed past that, it's not bad no. for the baby, you know, or the, the toddler. It just depends on um, what the what the family feels mm-hmm. like is the best fit for them at that particular time. And globally, the average age of weaning when people stop breastfeeding their baby is and this is globally. This is around the whole world. Is three to seven years. Seven? So. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it's probably because people places don't have, you know, grocery stores. Right. And so they don't have clean water. Right. And so that's the best they can do for their babies. But I always have to think about this, too. In America, we're bringing that average way down, so there must be somebody bringing it way up, too. Oh, gosh, I <laughs> thought about that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true there. Um, and, you know, for, for me, what we did was it was very baby-led. Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, about 13 months is when, like, daytime feedings just kind of slacked off. Like, you know, he just wasn't wasn't wanting that. It was still that nighttime feed, and it was, I think it was mainly just a comfort yeah. type of thing. You know, really wasn't even nursing to, to get a full belly it was just i'm snuggling and you know going to sleep you know that way there and then that kind of just trickled off you know um so you know if something um if if the baby if if a year is all you want to do right there are some things that you can do to kind of help your milk supply go down yes, right? right right and so those are some of the things we're going to talk about in just a minute we do have a caller that i want to get to we're going to go to oxford and talk with chris this morning hello hi good morning good morning how are you i'm well how are you oh we're doing just great what can we do for you today well i've had four children um and i've nursed all four but i must tell you my first i did not nurse successfully yeah and uh, something that you haven't brought up, I don't believe yet, was allergies. Mm-hmm. Um, my son was severely allergic and had all your usual allergy symptoms, and we tried everything. Yeah. The pediatrician and I tried everything. And it was recommended by the pediatrician because of his allergies were so severe. Um, skin rash, diarrhea, mm-hmm. colic, and respiratory distress. Um, that it was recommended that I stop breastfeeding. And after that, he thrived and did very well. Mm-hmm. So as much as breastfeeding is wonderful, according to the pediatricians who um, brought, raised, helped me raise all four of my kids, <laughs> there are those rare cases where you've got to kind of listen to your gut instinct that something isn't right. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. What you got there, Jamie? You're so right. Um, you know, our, <clears throat> our bodies are made to breastfeed. Our children are made to breastfeed. But there is always going to be those special cases. And you did the exact right thing by listening to your pediatrician, watching your baby, and knowing the limitations. Because sometimes women kind of don't want to accept that. They they have this idea, just like kind of you started out with, they have this idea that breastfeeding is going to be wonderful and great, and it's going to solve all their problems. But every now and then, it just doesn't. Mm-hmm. And so you're so smart to be able to have recognized that and moved on, but then also to have tried again. You know, yeah. not said, uh, yeah. I'm done with this. Yeah, 
I was a first-time mom, so I just mm-hmm. don't want any first-time moms that are having problems not to listen to their own instincts. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. Because it puts the pediatrician helping me for me to believe that this may not be the best thing for my baby. Yep, um, absolutely. We appreciate you giving us that call because it's absolutely something. I had it on my list that we were going to talk about, and I'm glad that it came from a caller because that means that other people are think you know thinking that question and have been affected by that. That you know we do want to encourage breastfeeding whenever possible, but there are the folks that it's just not the best health mm-hmm. um, for the health of the baby or the mom for that breastfeeding relationship to continue, and that's okay. You know, like don't feel like a you know like a bad mom or like a failure. Um, we've just got to listen to what, you know, what our, our doctors are telling us, what our body's telling us and what our babies are telling us. Yes. So thank you so much for that call, Chris. All right. Now, Jamie, if maybe we can't breastfeed, right? So just like Chris was unable to, um, and and we've got to stop. What, how do we help our breasts not explode? Okay. Because sometimes it feels like that's what's going to happen. You're right. Yes, it can. Um, And breast milk production is 100% about supply and demand. The more you take out, the more your body's going to make. So if you're getting to the point where you're ready to stop breastfeeding, then start dropping feeds throughout the day. And just that lack of stimulation for that hour will help start decreasing Mm -hmm. your milk supply. Um, You can use ice packs on your breast. You can bind your breast. Um, A lot of women like to use one or two. Uh, sports bras that are pretty tight um, and wear that 24-7. You can use cold cabbage leaves. There's not like magic dust. I was going to ask about it because I I used those and I was like, I don't know if this has got any science behind it, but here I am with these these cabbage leaves in my bra. Well, I think that it's cold and it's the right shape and, um, you know, so it does help moms get some relief and take that milk down. But it does it does take a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've been breastfeeding for six months and you're starting to decrease your supply, it's going to take a little bit and you may still leak even, you know, weeks afterwards. Mm-hmm. But those are kind of some of the common things. Um, I, I tell moms sometimes uh, that... We tell moms that want to breastfeed not to take um, antihistamines mm-hmm. because it will dry your milk up. And then I tell moms that want to dry their milk up, you can take that however you want to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not telling you to take not an antihistamine. You to take it, but I'm not telling you not to. Yeah. Tell yeah. this is what we tell this other set of women. Yeah. So yeah. Um, do with that what you want. But um, yeah, I mean, it takes a little while, especially if you've been breastfeeding for a while. Yeah. Um, but again, just like you did with kind of letting your baby decide when they'll, they want to stop, mm-hmm. that's just... A natural way to kind of decrease your milk supply and when baby's done mom usually doesn't have a hard time yeah, yeah. really getting the milk to go I away i think the, the most uh difficult situation is if for some reason the breastfeeding has to stop ac- acutely you mm-hmm. know like the for the baby is ill the baby's in the hospital or you know if something has happened to the baby and the baby has passed away and now you're left with all of this this milk right. and so you know you mentioned kind of decreasing the pumping. What we don't want to do is just completely stop any kind of anything, right? Because, I mean, I would imagine that that would be a little painful if we yeah, just if stopped. If mom tried to do that, they, she would notice it was very painful. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but just kind of back to what you said about if, you know, the, the infant passed away or something like that. Um, a lot of moms choose to continue to pump and donate that milk mm-hmm. because they feel like that is a way to remember their child. Mm-hmm. And um, especially if it was like a chronic illness that took their baby away they feel like it's kind of in in memory of their baby Mm -hmm. and can um, help other newborns that need that donor's milk we actually have a um 
a milk donation site mm-hmm. here. Um, it's uh, Mother's Milk Bank, and it's in Flowood. And um, if you have an excess of milk or you have had a loss, mm-hmm. um, you can pump and you can donate mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, just if you had to stop suddenly, then decreasing those pumps and um, doing what you can to be comfortable, mm-hmm. um, that would really help. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with, with my second pregnancy, you know, that um, baby was stillborn, you know, and so um, I, again, had a lactation consultant, though, that came in um, to talk with me about how what my body might like might start to feel like what to do if I started to make milk um, or express milk, you know, and how best to do that, because that that was one of the things that I was terrified of. I was like, I don't I don't want to make mm-hmm. milk because it was just like slamming it into me. Like, you don't, you don't have a baby to feed, yeah. you know? Um, and so they worked with me on some of the binding things and that kind of thing. And so luckily I never really made a whole lot of, of milk there with that. But that was, was something that, you know, we've got to think about moms who have, who have lost babies mm-hmm. is their body's still going to be doing some things. Yeah. And so we've got to support them there for that as well. All right, we'll take the last break of the hour. When we come back, I want to hear what we do if we're trying to make our supply go up, because that's another one I hear from a lot of moms. How do I make more milk? If you have that or other questions, we're happy to take those. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring one 672 7464 Radio podcast. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell. Joining me today is Jamie Ely. She is a registered nurse and lactation consultant. And we've been talking all about breastfeeding today. We've had some great callers who have asked some really awesome questions about breastfeeding. But we do still have some open lines if you would like to have your question answered. Now is the time to call. Um, but one thing that one question that I get a lot from from folks is how do I make my supply go up, you know, as uh, for whatever reason, sometimes the supply will dip down, and that tends to stress moms out when their supply starts to go down because um, they think, "What is this? It? I'm not ready for it to be over with. He's not old enough." You know, whatever. Are there things that we can do to increase supply? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, again, supply is all about supply and demand. The more you take out, the more your body's going to put in. So, um, if you are concerned about a low milk supply. You may want to consider feeding your baby a little bit more often. Mm -hmm. What's recommended is they nurse 8 to 12 times in a 24-hour period, not necessarily every two hours or every three hours or every four hours. It's when your baby's hungry, and normally that's between 8 and 12 times Mm -hmm. in a 24-hour period. If you still think your supply is a little bit low, add a pump in there. Um, Immediately after you finish um, nursing your baby, pump. 
and you can pump um, until the milk stops falling and then give it about two more minutes. And you can do that as many times a day as you want to. Um, of course, save all that milk and you can bottle feed it to your baby or store it. Um, and then another thing that's recommended is power pumping. You can power pump um, kind of the uh, way to do this is take an hour of your day and pump for 10 minutes and stop for 10 minutes and pump for 10 minutes and stop for 10 minutes. It's like hit training, but for right. your boobs. <laughs> well, a real simple way to do that is find an hour long show, pump during the show, stop during the commercials or vice versa, either way. Huh. Um, but usually after a couple of days of that, you'll start seeing some increase in your supply. Um, there's all kinds of things that uh, I hear floating around out there that you can eat or drink that right. will increase your milk supply. Um you know, a lot of those are probably uh, a little sugar pill. <laughs> just makes you think like it. It's just, you know, probably one of the weirdest things I've ever heard is blue Gatorade. Blue what? Gatorade helps increase your milk that supply. One. I don't know what it is in what the is blue. What is in the blue? Exactly. Because it's just the blue. <laughs> it's just blue. Um, I don't know. But, probably because uh, you're dehydrated and, you know, it probably doesn't matter if it's blue. Yeah, um, it probably does not matter if it's blue. Um, and just increasing those electrolytes, bouncing uh-huh. those electrolytes will help you um, if you're a little bit on the dehydrated side. But as far as a magic food mm-hmm. or pill, mm-hmm. um, there's nothing research-based right. that says this will increase your milk. Um, probably one thing that is the most beneficial besides just um, pumping regularly or feeding regularly would be whole grains. I was going to ask about oatmeal because that's mm-hmm. the one I hear a lot. Yeah, oatmeal, but it can't be. Um, the quick and easy, of course. Yeah. It's the whole oats, real oatmeal, um, the stuff you got to cook on the stove. Mm-hmm. So kind of an easier way to do that is make lactation cookies. And there are tons of recipes out there. You can make them as um, yummy and delicious with chocolate and peanut mm-hmm. butter, or you can make them as healthy as you want with raisins and bananas. Um, but it's a great snack to have because it's portable. Mm-hmm. And so you go and you make your batch of lactation cookies and you've got several, you know, maybe healthy options right. um, while you're nursing your baby and increasing your supply at the same time but what about fenugreek because i hear that one a lot too and that's an herb right that is an herb yes and um some women swear by it and then i've also had tons of women say it did nothing for me okay um so it is your breast milk uh production is really closely tied to your hormones so uh fenugreek is one of those things that works on your insulin Hmm. and um so if your insulin level was already normal it's Adding some fenugreek on there is probably not going to help so much. Um, but again, if you take fenugreek and you're thinking this is going to be that my the saving of my breastfeeding, then it probably will go up a little bit. So, okay. um, Mind over matter a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. And and my response to that is if it works, keep using it. Yeah, it's it. not going to hurt you. No. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I had a couple of things. We've only got a few minutes left. and I want to make sure we touch on these. Um, nipple pain. Because I think that happens a lot with, with ladies. It gets cracked and, and very painful. What do we do for nipple pain? Well, even before you start breastfeeding, start using a lanolin or a coconut oil on your nipples. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe once or twice a day um, after you shower, let your nipples air dry and go ahead and start using that just to like prehydrate your nipples. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's where that cracking comes from. Just the repeated use once the baby's here um, dries your nipples out. And so if we're kind of getting them in shape beforehand, then you'll have less of that afterwards. Mm-hmm. But you can still use those products um, after the baby's born. And if you use a pure lanolin or a pure coconut oil, that's not something you need to wipe off before you feed your baby. It won't bother them. Um, now, sometimes I will recommend that moms wipe it off if they put it on and then the baby wants to nurse right away. Just right, because like a big glob of it on. 
Well, and it's slippery, <laughs> yeah. you know, they have a hard time latching on. Yeah. And so that's really the only time you need to really wipe it off, but that will help. But the main thing to prevent cracks and nipple pain and nipple damage is make sure you have a deep latch Mm -hmm. and um, having a lactation nurse or a lactation consultant come in and help you with the latch. I recommend that to every single mom, Mm -hmm. whether you've breastfed for two years before, or this is your very first go at it. Um, we can see things from a different angle that you may not be able to Mm -hmm. see. And so we can cut off a lot of problems before they get to be problems if you let the lactation consultants come in and help you and watch your nurse. Mm -hmm. And sometimes with those cracked nipples, you will get a little bit of an infection that Mm -hmm. goes up into the breast called mastitis. Mm -hmm. It will make you feel horrible, make you feel like you had the flu. I I had it um, and felt I mean, I was running fever mm-hmm. with, with that particular thing. But one of the things that my um, guy, uh, OB told me was to still nurse the yes. baby, right? And that was kind of counterintuitive. You're like, okay, my breast is red. It doesn't look great. Why would I put my baby on that? But why do we do that? Well, because... One, the baby's already been exposed to it. Right. You know, before you realize you have an infection, the baby's already been exposed to it. Um, but the other part is what can happen when you do get mastitis is a lot of times it comes from a buildup of milk that's in your breast um, that your body starts to treat like it's an invader. All right. And so if you don't take the milk out, then it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Right. And so probably the worst thing you can do with mastitis is stop nursing. Right. right. Um, so continue to take that milk out, remove that milk, and it's fine for yeah, your baby. Uh, as, as cool as pumps are, babies are much more efficient at removing oh, yeah. milk and draining a breast there. So that will definitely help get that plug essentially mm-hmm. going out of there. So those were all great things. There's still so many more breastfeeding things that we didn't even get to talk about. And that just means I'll have to have you back and it won't be during breastfeeding month, but that doesn't mean that it's not an important topic to keep talking about. So we'll definitely get you back to talk about some more um, breastfeeding issues. If you're listening and you didn't get a chance to give us a call today and you still have a question, I'd love to get those via email. That email is fit at mpb online.org and I'm happy to answer those um, through there or send them over to Jamie and let her give me her expert opinion there as well. Jamie, I've enjoyed um, talking with you today, learned some things about breastfeeding that I didn't know, even though I was a breastfeeding mom, right? So there's lots of stuff that we can still know. I hope our listeners learned some things as well. And I'm super excited to see men giving us a call today Mm -hmm. and taking um, um, an initiative and helping to support breastfeeding because it does take everyone to uh, successfully breastfeed a baby. It's not just a mom and baby thing. It really is a community thing, a family thing, um, and it takes support all the way around there. So I hope you enjoyed the show today. I know I did. Um, And as I mentioned, please send me an email if you did not get your question in today. I want to remind you to tune in every weekday at 11. We've got a Southern Remedy specially for all different types of people and it does air every weekday at 11 so tune in for that full lineup and be sure to tune in again next monday to hear me on southern remedy healthy and fit i've been your host dr josie bidwell and thanks to my producer kevin farrell for another great show have a great rest of your week mississippi